Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live, and tonight we are truly joined by the Adams family. I want to welcome Zelda, John, Lulu, and Toby Poser. Guys, welcome to the show. I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, and how are you all doing tonight? We're great. Thank you so much for having us. It means a lot. It means a lot that you're all here, and we have an added bonus. Lulu is joining us, uh, who plays Amber in the movie. The movie is called Hellbender. We are looking at the writers, directors, cast, the whole nine yards. Hellbender is available right now on Shudder for you guys to watch. And I got to say right off the bat, I want to pose this question to Zelda. The movie has like a ridiculous 98% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Speaking for everybody, how does that make you guys feel as a family? It's honestly kind of unbelievable. (laughs) I was was looking at the ratings actually yesterday. I thought, you know, I'm just going to look it up and I hope it's not terrible. (laughs) And I saw a 98 and I was like, this is kind of incredible that, you know, people are just loving what we've created and that you know, not too many people are crapping on us. <laughs> when we finish the film, it's really nerve-wracking. You feel very vulnerable. Uh, are people going to hate this? So to have a nice reaction is just very heartwarming. That is awesome. Now, uh, John, it is kind of rare to see three directors behind the camera. I mean, two, yeah, not that uncommon, but three, it's kind of uncommon. So. Uh, what was the decision behind putting three directors behind that camera? And how did you guys split the divisions of duty up? So um, that's a great question. I don't think it's like, I don't think there was ever a decision to have three directors. I just think that that's the way that we've evolved. We've made, this is our seventh movie that we've made together. And as Zelda's grown up, um, she's just, you know, acquired more knowledge and and she's just become an adult and and she's just become a director and Lulu would have been a director too but she was at college at the time um so it's just evolved in that way and I think that we all just respect each other's opinions and that's what directing is is giving your opinion to your input to scenes and we're all just giving our input to scenes and so we're all directors absolutely now Zelda I gotta say this before we continue as I was watching this film and I'm watching you on the screen, you have this uncanny resemblance to Anne Hathaway. Okay. I just got to tell you that you, you look like a young Anne Hathaway. I just, I had to get that out there. Now, now, Toby, uh, I want to ask you a question about the title of the film. And I had to like, Literally, as I was getting prepared for tonight's episode, I kept putting in Hellbenders instead of Hellbender. Why did you guys decide to go with the singular instead of the plural, which is really, you know, uh, prevalent throughout the whole film? (laughs) Well, uh, actually, the first Hellbender iteration was our band, Hellbender, but the E's are all sixes. So um, the band existed before the movie and we kind of really dug that title and we thought and then we started making music videos for Hellbender the band and this really witchy theme and dark cinematic flair started coming into play and we thought 
man, we got to explore this further and, and, you know, let's really discover what this concept of a hellbender is. So we just went with the band name, but we made it for the movie. Awesome. Uh, Lulu, uh, you play Amber, okay? Now, Zelda's character, Izzy, comes across uh, Amber as she's sort of strolling the, the woods. I mean, sorry, the mountains and the woods. So your character of Amber, uh, did you have any say in the character and uh, how it was written for you and how you portrayed it on the screen? Yeah, actually, for each of our characters, everybody has a say since we're just so kind of equal and all working together. It's really a lot of feeling each other out and not following a strict script or anything. So with my character, for example, it was a lot of what do you think this character would actually say? Like thinking about how I related to her, how Zelda related to her, how even my parents related to her. Um, and kind of feeling out like, I don't think she would say that. I think she would curse more. <laughs> I think she would get more creative or just kind of like going with it in just getting excited about the character and daydreaming that you were that character. So there was a lot of just changing lines and kind of personality on the dot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, uh, Toby and Zelda, you guys are the main two in the film. Mother, daughter, you guys are the driving force. Uh, have you done any prior films where it was you guys were the main focus of the entire film? Any one of you could step in. I mean, it's it's up to you. Yeah. Uh, so before Hellbender, we had made six other films, and in how many of them did we play mother and daughter? Rumble strips. Uh, halfway to Zen. Halfway to Zen. Uh, and deeper you dig. And deeper you dig. So three movies of ours, we played mother and daughter. And it's really fun just getting to explore, you know, the mother and daughter relationship. And one thing that was really important to us with Hellbender is, was to build that relationship. We had just finished our last movie, The Deeper You Dig, and we played mother and daughter. And after going through the festival circuit, we realized that one thing we were lacking a little bit in The Deeper You Dig was a more complex mother and daughter storyline. So we really wanted to build upon that in Hellbender, and hopefully we did. Yes, yes, you definitely did. Now, Toby, uh, we're not going to give away any spoilers for the people who haven't watched it yet, but you are holding a secret from your daughter. You are basically lying to her, keeping her isolated, using the excuse that she is sick, and that's why she can't be around people. When you get into your character, who is nameless, by the way, in the movie, your character is just mother, basically. Uh, when you get into your character's mindset, uh, do you think at any point she realized that at, the truth is going to come out? It's eventually going to come out, even though I'm keeping her isolated in this mountain away from civilization, I'm going to one day have to face up to this. You think that ever yeah, crossed I, the character's mind? Sure, I think mother's in denial. <clears throat> but mother had a mother, so she had to know that things were going to come full circle, literally, uh, eventually. I think she was biding her time as long as she could. Now, now uh, Zelda, I love uh, this line that's repeated over and over in the movie. Fall eats summer, winter eats fall, spring eats winter. And it's a big metaphor and a little bit of foreshadowing of what is going to come. Who came up with that? That, that was John that came up with that. And at first he was like, 
I think that you should say this. And I remember being like, that's, that's silly. I don't know if we should do it. And then it really grew on me because it's such a metaphor for what's going on in the film. Not only are the seasons like actually eating each other within the film, but also, you know, Hellbenders, uh, the mother may, you know, like asexually reproduce, but mm -hmm. in the end, you know, a daughter may devour the Hellbender in their lineage. Yeah, and also what was fun about it was that, like in our society, we think of the world moving forward, the seasons moving forward. But what was fun, hopefully for the audience, is to see that Hellbenders reach backwards to move forwards mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like there's some kind of esoteric kind of philosophy to it like instead of being like like when we think of the seasons we always think well you know summer's summer's coming summer's you know eating spring or summer comes from spring but what's fun about a hellbender because we want them to be a different type of being is that they actually devour what comes before them mm -hmm. to become what they are and that's you know what the lineage of a hellbender is so it's it's fun to for the audience to hear that kind of poem yep yep uh lulu you and zelda had a very crucial scene together after the party the worm eating and when zelda came into realization there's something wrong with me here uh that scene in the woods where zelda sort of starts to choke you did you guys rehearse that uh on how you guys were going to play <laughs> off each other how did that all work out um it was all practicing there as we just got as many shots while my neck just bruised more and more <laughs> it was a lot of very like, sisterly all right you can choke harder okay <laughs> a lot of just going for it honestly like it felt a lot like method acting because to kind of, after time, knowing that she was going to choke me, I also wanted her to go really into it, and she was totally fine with that. So we just kept doing it more and more <laughs> intense as we did it. That scene was revenge for all the times that Lulu made me want to eat unwanted <laughs> things. Like, her making me eat the worm is the not, not the only thing she's made me eat before. It was pretty funny. Lulu, by the end of that scene, and that's the take we took, Lulu was pretty pissed and her <laughs> neck was red and you know zelda had this smile on her face i was like zelda you kind of enjoy on the ride home i was like i think you were kind of enjoying that she's like i was <laughs> uh now um we're gonna get back to lula in a second but what i found fascinating in the film zelda is when izzy finds out the truth after eating the worm and you know going to her mom it's not anger that she really reflects on her mother. It's sort of like, I don't even know the right word to describe it. How would you describe Izzy's reaction when she finally finds out what she really is? I think, honestly, it was the most natural reaction. I think a lot of times when we find out something really shocking, we don't necessarily act out in anger. A lot of times, you know, it really, you really let it sink in and hit you slowly, um, expecting something that you're not expecting. Uh, why did you write it? I mean, Toby was uh, one of the main, main writers of it. Why did you want me to act that way? Uh, <clears throat> well, 
I can kind of take this, I have to take it personally because uh, actually one of the influence of the story is um, I found out right uh, before we wrote Hellbender that I was donor conceived and I found this out at 50 years of age wow. that my wonderful dad who had passed away years before was not my biological dad and there was only a split second where I was angry and the rest of the time it was like all right well let's like this could be a really cool thing you know let's just uh let's dive deep and see who who am i where do i come from and i think it's the same with izzy i think she's like oh this is kind of a gift i don't have to sit up here alone on my mountaintop with my mom even though my mom's pretty cool and uh you know let's see let's explore when you think about it, it's like the most exciting thing that's happened to Izzy on that mountaintop. <laughs> now, John, Zelda slowly starts to go into the darker side of witchcraft. Um, uh, is that how you you guys always wanted it to go? Did you play with different scenarios when you were writing the script? Yeah, so I don't think that, like, for me, I think what's fun is I don't, I wouldn't necessarily um say that she went to the darker side i think what she went to was her natural side her fate and her destiny and what where her dna was pushing her like that's what's fun about for me that's what's fun about this movie and this is what we talked about a lot was this is a movie about who gets to judge who and what zelda became was an excellent hellbender a true a true hellbender she followed her dna she followed the truth inside of her she followed all the rules of being a hellbender and what the mother was doing was trying to deny those rules trying to deny her dna and who she was so who gets to ultimately judge that um us humans who uh, are devoured by hellbenders or or hellbenders it's like that's why we have the poem in the middle about the wolf and the sheep like do you get is the wolf bad because it eats the sheep well from a sheep's point of view a wolf is terrible but from a wolf point of view it's an excellent wolf yeah yep and uh toby's character explains that in the film toby uh what made toby different and go against the grain of what a hellbender is supposed to be I think, um, you know, the mother character really realizes that following your nature might be uh, the right thing to do, but it also is a very lonely existence. It's one that's isolated, violent, uh, ripped off from the rest of the world. And I think the mother has been alive a long time and, and she's, she's, you know, she's had, she's sowed her wild hellbender oats and she knows that as much fun as it was, um, it's a, it's brutal just like nature. And, uh, and so I think she wants to protect her daughter from that. What, though, uh, absolutely. Uh, one of the most powerful moments is at the very end when uh, you're looking at Izzy and you're telling her, I didn't raise you like this. Uh, towards the ending, when you tell her, I didn't raise you like this. Why are you doing this? I'm not ready to go yet. Uh, what was... Uh, that moment for the for you know you being the mom realizing that all your efforts to raise your daughter to be like you and go against the grain of what a hellbender is have failed yeah i, I think it's i think it's, it's sad for the mom i think the mom really uh you know if there were a sequel the mom might be proud 
because the cat's out of the bag at the end. But I think in in this film, at the end, I think the mother, everything the mother has wanted to protect her daughter from has just, you know, shredded like confetti. Um, in fact, I'd like to see what would happen, you know, once they, they embrace that. As Izzy says, when we're puking maggots in the snow, she says, you know, we'd make a great team. And they probably would. Yeah, they definitely would. Zelda, what's your take on, uh, you know, your mom's, failure on how she was trying to raise you and you just going against that yeah i think with the mother-daughter relationship it was fun to play on common parent and child uh, tropes you know i think a lot of times parents hide things from their kids but you know the more that a parent is strict about something you know the more likely that the kid is going to go out and do it and to a large extent and I think that's one of the repercussions that the mom faces uh, when, in the end, when she says, I didn't raise you like this, you know, I, I taught you to starve that. But because she was starving her true nature, she just was going to embrace it more and definitely in secrecy. Yeah. Now, the ending is great. Uh, we're not going to give anything away. Lulu, you play a big part in the ending. Uh, walk us through what was shooting that sequence. What was it like? Woo! It was amazing and chaotic and dramatic in every way. We were shooting up in the Pacific Northwest where I was teaching for a while. Because of COVID, Zelda was able to go into online school. And so they bought a trailer and drove it across country and did a ton of filming all across the states. Um, and then met me up in Oregon where we were living, where I was living. Uh, and so we filmed up in Oregon and Washington and we did a ton of those shots on the coast and some of the kind of earlier pin shots that are with the dining table the white kind of dream sequence of the dining table that was on the washington coast and um we had found an old like wet log right and oh yeah pieces and use that to mimic my body um and we shot that on a table in the water in the ocean and eventually actually a sneaker wave came and almost took the table out and everybody else ran and I was there on the table in my bikini in November and freezing cold like oh my god <laughs> so it was really fun chaos and then we did another shot final shot um of what you're talking about in um some old sites in Washington where there typically would have been tons of people but again COVID actually helped us because there was nobody there these beautiful sites and they were even more creepy and eerie and so we shot them these dark sites and they were like wet old metal and it was just kind of like all right kid i know you're camping in your car tonight across from our trailer because we were doing distance from each other too and there was no um showers or anything so i was like covered in tons of effects and stuff and um it's like super sticky and we were just shooting in these spots where I was like, I hope no one thinks anything is going wrong because you might get the cops called on us. Lula's method acting. Threw a bunch of slop on her in the freezing cold, <laughs> and she dealt with it like a bad woman. It also, great. it was the night, the very final scene that you're talking about, where, where, yeah, I won't say what <laughs> happens, but we shot that actually in a parking lot in the rain, and it was freezing cold, and it's lit by our headlights, and we had chocolate syrup 
and so we were but it was raining so we had to protect the cameras and so we had to protect the cameras and not lulu <laughs> so we were pouring chocolate syrup all over her face and it was raining and we were shooting lulu was a great sport and i remember we kept having to move the cars around and every once in a while because it was a parking lot like in a state park way in the middle of nowhere every once in a while like a stray kind of like drunk driver would kind of come rolling in and the lights would hit lulu and we'd have to wait for them and then they kind of back up and leave and it was a pretty funny night we stayed up pretty late to get that shot it took quite a while and if you look at that shot it's interesting because there's fire in it and that's a composite from another night a couple nights but lulu's shot she's in the rain yeah. And it's if you really look at that shot, you can see that she's being rained on, which really <laughs> actually helped the kind of oddness. I love that scene. I love the oddness of fire and rain. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, speaking of the location, this movie has some beautiful uh, scenery. The location was amazing. Uh, how did, long did it take you, John, to for you guys to find the perfect location? when uh, Zelda is out in the woods and the mountains. Was it difficult to scout the proper location for this film? So we lived in a trailer for almost a year because she was homeschooled. So we didn't have any, we bought a little trailer and we lived in a trailer. And so each location actually kind of appeared before us. We had no itinerary. And we were driving around the country, so whenever we saw a beautiful place and the weather was right and there was it was a cloudy day, we would get out and shoot. So a lot of the scenery was just dictated by Mother Nature and when she decided she wanted to act. And we only have a camera and microphones, so there's not a lot of stuff to get set up to shoot something. So we were quick on our toes. And like I say, when Mother Nature showed up and said it's time to act, we got our shit together and did it. <laughs> now, Zelda, what is it like having to wear so many different hats on a set? Director, you're also the writer, you're the star. I mean, what is that like? It's definitely really busy, but I love it because you gen- genuinely get to oversee all uh, sides of the production. And because of that, you can just have this large vision and you get to be the one that it puts it all together um and that, that's what's so lucky about it and since we're working with such a small crew such a small team it's very easy to just go out there and do it one moment we'll be eating scrambled eggs for breakfast talking about a scene we want to shoot and then we'll put the dishes away and then go shoot the scene so they never put the dishes away so some of that's true but that, <laughs> a little bit of that was bullshit all right, all right. I have two teenagers. I know all about that. Yeah, um, nobody puts the dishes away. Yeah, I'm the one who does it right before bed. Lulu, there is a critical scene between you and Zelda Izzy uh, towards the end as you're leaving work. Uh, very critical. Do you think if uh, Amber would have reacted differently towards Izzy, things would have gone completely different for Amber? You know, I think initially they would have just been postponed. I think at that point Zelda was on this journey and I might have been the last kind of chance for that part of her to join humanity. But I think that it would have still gone the wrong way. Like 
being crazy teenagers, I think something still likely would have happened. And those two humanities, if you could call it that, would clash eventually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is a great question that you yeah, just asked. Yeah. I love that. No one's ever asked that question, and it's a terrific question. And I ask myself that question, and I don't know the answer. I mean, you got to wonder: is that the tipping point? At that moment, it is the tipping point for uh, Izzy to go over to the dark side. Uh, absolutely, but Lulu makes a great point. It was eventually going to happen. There was like no stopping it. It was like just po postponing it if Amber had a different reaction to Izzy than the reaction she had. So that's how I saw the whole scene. Now, uh, Toby, uh, when you are basically, you guys are writing this out, you kept, like I said in the beginning, you kept some uh, lore about witches that we know and love, and then you changed some things around. When did the eating of people, uh, what made you guys go that route for witches to do in this film? Uh, it's not, it's not, it's very, it's a break from the norm. Yeah, you know, originally we were trying to think of, well, what, how, how do these uh, witches, how, what makes them evil, if they're evil? And are they even called witches? In fact, we only use the word witch once in the movie, and it's more just like, is he tossing a bone to someone who just wouldn't understand the concept of hell better to begin with? Um, and at first we thought, oh, it's got to be babies, because I was doing a lot of research on Lamia, the serpent goddess from Libya. Mm -hmm. And then it was about these women who got all their powers from eating, you know, babies, just like a sprout is nutritious. Well, these babies are just packed with all sorts of things. <laughs> and so, and then we thought, you know what? Let's leave the babies alone. <laughs> and, uh, and we tried to shoot it, and man, I'll tell you, it did not look good. Walmart babies do not look as real as you think. No. <laughs> so, but they're cheap. So, so it kind of evolved into, well, let's have it be humans, but not necessarily the humans themselves, but the fear within the humans. Because if you look at the history of, of women who were maligned and persecuted, like witches, um, they, it really it was people afraid of their power their abilities so we thought well if they're going to be maligned and, and considered evil because of that power um because of this full agency that they have then let's make that you know what what they feed on okay okay that makes perfect sense john the beginning of the film uh takes place in the past uh now the person who is being lynched is that Toby's character's mom that we are to assume it is, or is it somebody? Yeah, and then and it is, and there's a reference to why she's being lynched later on. Mm -hmm. Toby passes on to her daughter, and and that is actually kind of explains why Toby's guilt because she had lived in a village and she had friends, and her hellbender mother went on a binge, and that 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 helps kind of explain to the audience why Toby would have guilt about being a hellbender and possibly want to be a human. And that kind of drives the story. But another thing that we liked about the opening scene was, um, you know, it's all women all lynching this powerful woman. Mm -hmm. And it was just great to just have it just completely woman informed. It was just like, it was great. I, I loved all these powerful ladies taking all justice and 
all hatred into their own hands. You know, there's it's a, it's a neat scene for me. I really loved it. Uh, and it's also all of Zelda's soccer moms. Like Zelda was on a soccer team at the moment. We were kind of like, anybody want to like do a lynch thing? Yes, yes, we we do. And so you know, suddenly we had sixteen ladies up there pulling a rope. It was great. <laughs> now you leave this up to the viewers' interpretation as to the other moms that are out there uh, that are lynching this woman. Are they hellbenders themselves? Are they normal human beings? Are they a mix? But there seems to be, like like I said, it's left up to the viewer's interpretation of what they are. You're right, they are all women. But I got the impression that uh, they weren't lynching this woman just for being a witch, but being a witch who did some very bad, bad stuff. Is that <laughs> fair to say? Oh, you got that right. Um, you got that right. She did some very bad stuff. <laughs> uh, now, moving on uh zelda but can i say actually one fun thing about that like uh -huh. the very first frame the very first couple frames of the movie is that woman who's being lynched sewing her mouth shut and so that kind of sets up the whole issue for these hellbenders which is that they are human in form and so they're in one part of them would like to fit into the world that runs the world but another part of but their nature doesn't allow them to mm -hmm. and so the fact that she's sewing up her lips shows that she does feel guilt she there is a struggle in this character she's not just some like like classic like witch like ha, 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 i'm gonna do evil things to people and fly on a broom at night and snatch children you know it's like it's a it's a being it's this kind of beautiful being that has conflict in it Yes, uh, Zelda, the aspect of the witches gaining power off the blood and eating of living things that possess fear. That was beautiful. Whoever, whoever's idea that was, that was brilliant. Uh, Toby, was that you? I mean, who, whose idea was that? Where the blood of fear makes the witch stronger. I think that was John's idea. Oh, I think we shoot. I think we shoot a million. I think we talk so much that it's, it becomes pretty impossible to know whose whose idea what was. This was that idea was the result of many conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. I mean, I love that aspect. Uh, now, Zelda, as you're playing Izzy, uh, and we know you commit an atrocity pretty early on as you're discovering your powers, and as your mom is teaching you what you're capable of to the very climax and ending of the film where you play just this dark evil girl and you did it so brilliantly how did you get into the mindset and i know the the lighting the darkness behind you the fire really fed into the performance as well but how did you get into the mindset of just portraying pure evil well, first of all, thank you so much. And going into the character, I knew that she was someone who had a huge arc. You know, she has a set beginning and a set end. And in the beginning, she doesn't know exactly what she is. In fact, she doesn't know what else is even out there in the world. And throughout the story, she's just discovering so much about the world and about herself. 
And when I was playing uh, Izzy, um, we shot a lot of it in chronological order. So in the beginning of the movie, I was just kind of acting pretty casual, pretty awkward, a lot like myself, I think. And towards the end of the movie, I really had to tell myself, you're way more confident um, and just strong and powerful and embracing who you are. And you can be a little bit devious too, especially towards the mother in the end. So I really had to remind myself about, okay, we're 70% through the movie. So I'm 70% crazy and confident right now. (laughs) Now, Toby, did you guys have a lot of fun shooting those scenes in the snow? Hell yeah. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was cold, but it was more fun than anything. That's what I call mother-daughter bonding. (laughs) Spitting blood on each other. (laughs) Yeah, and I had placed little bits of rice and puffed rice cereal in it to kind of give it sort of a maggoty texture, and I had forgotten to tell Zelda, and she was a little uh, unpleasantly surprised. You don't don't expect to bite down on something hard when liquid goes into your mouth. (laughs) Uh, now, John, you have a role in the movie as well. It's not a very long one, uh, thanks <laughs> to Toby. Um, what made you decide to play the uncle in here? I think I wanted to, like in most of the movies, I'm really kind of the bad person, and I think I wanted to play a fun person, but I didn't want to play a fun person very long. So, <laughs> <laughs> And another good thing was um, we had learned from The Deeper You Dig that people really said they would love to see the mother-daughter relationship developed. And so I just wanted to get into the movie and, and get out, and I wanted to get behind the camera. And that was a great way to do it because it kind of shows the audience something a little bit shocking right off the bat mm-hmm. that shows that the mother is holding a pretty heavy-duty secret from her daughter. So in so many ways, it was just a good thing to do to just – put me in the movie, show a, a nice guy, get annihilated, and then get me out and behind the camera so I could, so the girls could really do their thing. Do their thing. Uh, now, Lulu, uh, if there is a sequel to Hellbender, are you going to lobby real hard? Because we don't know that, you know, Amber could be in it if possible, which got to say, you know, not giving any spoilers away, but things don't look good for Amber at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you're asking whether I would lobby it? Like, yeah, whether to, I would like- you know, to try to get into the sequel somehow. I mean, it's not something I usually think about, like, requesting. I'm kind of usually, I've lived away from them now since college. I'm always just excited to be like, what do you think I can do? And just kind of be involved in any way. Um, but definitely having already played Amber, it would be fun if there was another one. I would, I'm sure I would enjoy a twist. Like, I love playing I love the idea of playing the total opposite of myself, and I saw a lot of myself in Amber, which makes it really fun to play with, but it would be super cool to kind of have something kind of shift for her because of the role she plays in the first movie. It would be fun to play something totally opposite, maybe inspired by Izzy's a little gremlin <laughs> <laughs> like dream sequences of Amber. Ooh. You can visit it oh. in dream sequences that Izzy oh. that has. I fun. love that idea. <laughs> that would be great if she had, like, the haunting of Izzy. Just <laughs> <laughs> dinner conversation. We've got to do it. <laughs> now, John, I want to ask you, uh, before we wrap up, uh, the movie is available now on Shudder. 
Uh, was it initially uh, picked up by Shutter? Where did initial? Where did it did it initially release? So, um, the first time it was ever seen was at the Fantasia Film Festival, and um, up in Montreal, Mitch Davis and his crew were super kind to us, and it's a wonderful festival. And that kind of blasted us out there because Fantasia is an amazing platform, mm -hmm. and that really helped us a lot. And um, we got a sales agent called Yellow Veil Pictures, who are a also a wonderful group of people. And we knew them through Fantasia because their publicist, Kayla, works for Fantasia. So it's very family. They're very family oriented. And so we fit in with them well. They showed it to Shudder and Shudder immediately wanted it. And we love Shudder. So this was not a huge, long, drawn-out business transaction. This was like it seemed like a, like two families just quickly holding hands and yeah. we were all, all off to the races. It was kind of a beautiful, seamless thing. And Shutter treats us like what we are, which is just a small family that makes films. So it really worked out wonderfully. That's awesome. Uh, Toby, if uh, a sequel is ordered, if you guys decide to make one, do you have a script, a plot, a storyline ready to go uh, if need be for a sequel? We don't, but we've been knocking around ideas, right? Like like maybe Izzy goes on tour, and if mom is lucky, she gets to play bass, uh, you know, on the tour. But we thought that would be a really fun idea. Yeah, I, I think I, we should go on tour and taste, who tastes best in all of America? <laughs> I, <laughs> love, I love the <laughs> scenes of you guys practicing in the band and the elaborate makeup you guys uh, oh. put in, uh, reminiscent of you know, the old days with Kiss, uh, Zelda. Uh, I mean, whose idea was that? It, you guys must have had fun, first of all, putting on that makeup, you playing the drums, Toby, you being the lead singer and the bass. Uh, tell us whose idea was that to incorporate it into the movie and add the whole makeup element to it as well. Well, we have always had a band together. First, John and I had a band called Kid California, where I played drums. But then I started getting into singing, and Toby and Lulu were like, hey, I want to be in the band too. So then we made a band called Hellbender. This was a couple years ago. And we started making music and making music videos. And we were like, wow, we have to make a movie that's kind of like a bunch of music videos in one that helps tell the story. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons Hellbender was made. And, you know, how many times do you get to see a mom and daughter rocking out in a movie? Not very uh, often. And the, the makeup was just a really fun way to put in some hidden symbolism for uh, each character and where they're at in their storyline. That is awesome. Guys, I want to thank you so much. You guys made a brilliant film. Uh, and as time goes, more and more people are going to watch it. Congratulations. You have, I mean, it's a hit. It's a great movie. For anybody who has not watched it yet, it's available on Shudder. It's called Hellbender. It's a modern witch story with a lot of stuff that you love about witches and a lot of new twists and spins that you've never seen in witches before. So please... Go check it out. Congratulations to all four of you. You did a fantastic job. Again, John Adams, Zelda Adams, Lulu Adams, Toby Poser. Thank you, guys. And I'm going to throw it to Lulu. On behalf of everybody, do you guys have any final thoughts you want to share? 
I think we're just really happy to be here. Thanks so much for including us on your live talk. Oh, it, was, it was so much fun. And I got to say, I love obviously supporting filmmakers, independent filmmakers, doesn't matter, studios, but I love seeing family filmmakers uh, oh. and the amount of fun that you guys have as a family creating something. I think that's awesome. And you guys are brilliant. Oh. I want to thank our audience for tuning in tonight. Those of you who are watching live and those of you who are tuning in later, again, thank you to our wonderful guests. Until next time, on behalf of me, John, Zelda, Toby, and Lulu, stay safe and stay walking. Good night, everybody. Thank, thank you. you. Peace. Thank you.